Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovi is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area, and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seeds website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. Chilson Motors with Gene Chilson, our sponsors of our Wax Farm Show podcast. At Chilson's Corner Motors of Kadat and Chilson Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram, we have an excellent selection of certified pre-owned Ram models to choose from. Purchase a certified Ram and receive our seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty and its factory-back coverage from Ram. A certified Ram offers a great deal of confidence and peace of mind with a seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And we now have a great selection in stock and ready for immediate delivery. And ready to get those farm chores done. Absolutely. To see all the models, call, click, or visit Chilson's Corner Motors of Kadat on the corner of Highway 27 and X or Chilson Chrysler Dodge on Business Highway 53 or visit us on the web at chilson.com. And remember, let our family take care of your family. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. On a Friday morning in Wax, and the weather's getting better. Hang in there. The shank of the day is still kind of cool, but it's going to warm up as we get through Easter weekend. Good morning. Bob and Jill with you as we take a look at the chores this morning. Lots of names of young people from around the area we hope to share. Another young fellow's coming in to join us this morning. Brent Wink is on his way. Brent will be with us on our program this morning, covering the crops with Winfield United. As we get uh, started, Brent, Brent is with us every Friday now, right on through darn near the gun deer hunting season. So we'll have Brent with us every Friday morning, and uh, looking forward to seeing him, see how he's wintered, and <laughs> see how see how close he is to uh, getting into the fields and on his farm over in the western part of the state over there in Glenwood. But uh, before that, we got lots of other things to talk about. Well, how's the calf crop coming down at the Welke Land and Cattle Company? We're kind of stuck at 37. Oh, it's been a couple days. Yeah, but that's okay because the weather's going to get better and then mm-hmm. hopefully we get a whole bunch. Yeah, this weekend, uh, met the, the isobars and the weather changes and, I don't know, cattle bodies can feel that. And so uh, a lot of calves are going to be coming, I think, the next few days here because it's going to warm up 50 today. By Wednesday, it'll be about 78 and the good thing about it, there's going to be sun. Now, there's a chance of precip today, maybe a little bit overnight. And then when we get into and the breeze will die down a little bit later on for today, but then pick up a little bit tomorrow. We'll tell you more about that. But let's just say it's an awfully nice weather forecast we've got coming up. And again, the kids uh, from the FFA are going down to, when is the state judging contest? It's April 27th down in Madison. Down at the university. So they'll be... On campus with all the uh, all the university students, that'll be a, a good experience for them. I remember when I was in college and uh, all the FFA kids were down there judging. Uh, what in the world are all these guys doing here in the middle of the week? But uh, they get it on, so that's a good thing. All right, we've got about five minutes before 5 o'clock, and it's March. I always tell us March and April because about every three years, 
I'm not sick, but my voice gets like this. So hang in there. You might have to finish the show. Well, I'll do what I have to do. But uh, you know what? I think it has to do with it being cold because I'm still running the humidifiers in my house. It got so dry in there again. Yeah, I don't know if that's the problem or not, but it seems like uh, not every year, but uh, every two, three years. I get this. I'm not sick, but it goes right to my throat. So we'll see. We'll tough it out and see what we get done. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, I got news for you. It is patio season. Maybe not today, but uh, through the weekend and in the next week. Now, it'll be about 50 for the high today. We do have a chance of some scattered showers around the area, but it's cold right now. And then tonight, it'll get down into the low 20s again, no chance of showers. And tomorrow, 62, partly sunny and breezy. And we're going to see sunshine, full sunshine, about Wednesday next week. But Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, partly sunnies, 60s and 70s. 75 Tuesday, 78 on Wednesday. Don't you like that? I do. 15 right now at Rice Lake, 17 at Medford, 23 at Wausau, Marshfield at 25, Lacrosse 33. Green Bay's 27, it's 30 in Madison, 36 in Milwaukee, and here in the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls area, we're looking at a pretty nice morning out there, as we're uh, kind of cool, it's 23 degrees, but again, it's going to get better, just hang in there, the weather's warming up. On this good Friday morning, again, it's 23 degrees, looking for about 50, but hang in there. Tomorrow and Sunday and Monday, 60s, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 70s. Going to get nice. But a minute after 5, this is 104.5 FM, WAXX Eau Claire. It's news time. NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. The Pentagon is investigating how secret plans related to the war in Ukraine ended up on social media. The leaked information came from classified documents containing secret U.S. and NATO information. Senior Biden administration officials say plans for building up Ukraine's military for an offensive against Russia appeared on Twitter and on a platform called Telegram that has over a half a billion users worldwide, including Russia. Military analysts say the estimates of casualties in the documents have been changed, increasing the number of Ukrainian casualties and lowering the number of Russian casualties. Analysts said the number changes might be a Russian effort at disinformation. Two black Democratic lawmakers have been expelled from the Tennessee State House of Representatives over protesting for stricter gun laws. One of them is Justin Pearson. This is wrong, this is unjust, and this is not the way that it has to be. But the Republican Party of the state of Tennessee want to keep things the same. A Republican-controlled House removed Pearson and Justin Jones on claims they violated House rules. Democratic Representative Gloria Johnson, who is white, survived after the vote to expel her, failed to receive the required two-thirds majority. The Congressional Black Caucus released a statement calling the targeted expulsions anti-democratic, morally bankrupt, and racist. The Supreme Court has rejected a West Virginia bid to enforce a ban against a transgender girl from participating in girls' sports. Brian Shook reports. Two of the court's conservative justices, Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, noted that they would have granted the ban. The 2021 Save Women's Sport Act law was challenged by 12-year-old Becky Pepper Jackson, who wanted to try out for girls cross-country and track. The law asserts that gender is based only on biology and genetics at birth. I'm Brian Shook. And the Internal Revenue Service is hiring a lot more help. The IRS said on Thursday it's going to add up to nearly 30,000 new staffers and put new technology to work over the next two years. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. 
the first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Quick check of our weather brought to you by the Chelson Automotive Group. There's new 2023 Subaru Ascents now available at ChilsonMotors.com. Nice, getting nice. 50 today, a chance of precipitation. And overnight tonight, we do have a more chance of showers. On Saturday, it's going to be partly sunny and breezy. And then on uh, Sunday, Monday, 60s. Tuesday, Wednesday, 70s. And sunshine. Don't you like that? 15 in Rice Lake, 17 in Medford, 23 in Wausau. Marshfield at 25, Lacrosse 33, Green Bay 27, Madison at 30, Milwaukee at 36. Right now in the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls area, we've got 23. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Once again, Rural Mutual Insurance bringing us the markets, and Jill, take us through all the numbers. I'm going to sit back and listen. <laughs> See if I can do it right, right? Well, I'm sure you can. <laughs> well, let's start out with our cash livestock. Choice fed beef steers are 163 to 172 with mixed at a dollar to a dollar 63. Choice fed beef heifers are a dollar 64 to 175 to with mixed at a dollar to a dollar 63. Choice fed Holstein steers are a dollar 36 to 147 with select and silage fed steers 97 to 135. Cows are 78 to 110 with bulls at 96 to 118. Butcher hogs are 45 to 65 with sows at 38 to 44. Boars are 16 to 23 with new crop market lambs 125 to 150 and a top of 170. Feeder lambs are 130 to 230 with ewes at 80 to 97. Small goats are 15 to 205. Medium goats are 125 to 205. Large goats are 155 to 425 and nanny goats are 25 to 210. We're going to slide on over to the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And look at the live cattle. They are trending upward for April. 171, seven and a half, up 267 and a half. For June, 163, 10, up 280. For August, 162, 30, up 232 and a half. And October, 166, seven and a half, up 172 and a half. And our feeder cattle futures, they are also trending upward for April, two. Two hundred and sixty-two and a half cents, up to eighty. May two hundred five forty, up three thirty. August two twenty-two sixty, up three three dollars and thirty-seven and a half cents. For September two twenty-five thirty-five, up three three dollars and twelve and a half cents. And our lean hog carcasses mixed for April. Mixed results. They are sitting at seventy-four fifteen, up seventy-five cents. May. 82.20 up 90 cents and June 88 17 and a half down 20 cents. And we're going to slide on over to our Chicago Board of Trade. Corn for July 619 down 78. Oats for July 336 up 3 cents. Soybeans for July is sitting at 1462 down 15. Soybean meal for July is at $449.70 per ton. I can't tell. Oh, it's up two to two dollars and ninety cents. And wheat for July six eighty eight down six to seven. And our dairy markets barrels one seventy two down three. Forty pound blocks one eighty three up one and three quarters. And our gray double A butter two thirty one and a three quarters no change. And April 
Class 3 milk futures for April 1869 up to May down 11 set at sitting at 1795 for June down another 11 sitting at 1818 July 1867 down 12 and August 1911 down 10 and trending downward through December. And the market's brought to you by the folks at Rural Mutual Insurance 10 minutes after 5. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Twelve and a half minutes after five o'clock here at Wax, and Jill, you had a chance, you ran into Alice in Dairyland yesterday. I did. I found out she was teaching some fourth graders down at the Osseo Fairchild Elementary School, and I had a little conversation with her, and we talked about getting in those classrooms. I think so far this year, I have visited about 30 different classrooms all over the state of Wisconsin. I am planning to hit at least 50 by the end of my year. Most of those will be, of course, in the month of April and May before school goes out for the summer. But hopefully I'll have a few classes in June with those summer school students, too. It's been a lot of fun teaching them a little bit more about Wisconsin agriculture and also what makes our state so unique, too. And you said you're getting into the classroom. You're teaching about agriculture. A little bit more specifically, what are you talking about? So our state is actually divided into five regions. And of course, within those regions, we have very unique natural resources and also very unique crops that we can grow too. So we kind of take this expedition all over Wisconsin to explore those different specialty crops that are grown right here in our state, again, using those five regions. So it's kind of cool for these kids to learn a little bit more about what's grown basically right in their backyard and also about some things that they may have never heard of before. So depending on where I am in the state, some of the students know just a little bit more than others. But again, it's just a really great opportunity for them to ask questions, to learn more about Wisconsin agriculture, and of course, think about what they already know and kind of apply that to the presentation. Taylor Schaefer, our current Alice in Dairyland, in about a month, she'll be giving up her crown is uh, down in the Elkhorn, southeastern Wisconsin area. They're going to have the Alice in Dairyland final. So uh, again, those years go by very, very fast. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, we've fallen off to 20 degrees now, so we got a ways to go to get back up to 50. That's the high today. And tomorrow, 60s, and then Tuesday and Wednesday into the 70s. We're going to take a look at some farm news this morning. Triple Ag Solutions bringing us our farm news on Wax. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, a lot of kids got to River Falls last Saturday thanks to some pretty good bus drivers, even from Campbellsport. That's way over by Fond du Lac, and they made it in that blizzard that we had Friday night into Saturday. And we got some results, Jill, because we got a whole lot of teams from our area moving on. You're right. The results are in from last Saturday's UW River Falls Ag Technology Judging Contest for FFA members. And lots of teams from our area qualified for state CDE judging later this month in Madison. In Ag Technology and Mechanical Systems, teams from River Falls, Hudson, and Menominee are moving on. In Dairy Cattle Evaluation and Management, Amory, Menominee, Cochrane Fountain City, and Ellsworth have qualified. Hudson, Cochrane Fountain City, and Ellsworth were in the top teams in floriculture, while teams from River Falls, Menominee, Granton, Levistrom, Loyal, Eau Claire, and Holman all qualified in horse evaluation with Spring Valley, River Falls, Ellsworth, Chippewa Falls, and Toma making state in livestock evaluation. 
Qualifying teams in the Milk Quality and Products Contest are Hudson, Loyal, Cochrane Fountain City, Chippewa Falls, River Falls, and Augusta. Seven teams will judge at state in the wildlife contest from our area. And that's Cochrane Fountain City, Alma, Hudson, Augusta, Wausau, Chippewa Falls, and Holman. And in veterinary science, Ellsworth, Wausau, Hudson, and Chippewa Falls all made it to state. So congratulations, as we say, good kids doing good things. Coming up, we're going to hear from you again because uh, we talk global agriculture. What's that all about? Well, it really made me, when I did the interview with Jacob Shapiro, we really, it makes you think about how our farmers in our backyard can make, and what happens on the other side of the world, it all is connected together. And it was a big conversation about deglobalization. All right. So we'll have that coming up next. We're 19 minutes after 5 o'clock. Again, 20 degrees, looking for a high of 50 today. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Deglobalization. What happens on one side of the world does really affect what happens on the other side. This is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. I caught up to Jacob Shapiro. He is the Director of Geopolitical Analysis for Cognitive Investments. We ended up in an in-depth discussion on the size of the world, from the money to the trade to new powers that are coming up. The world's actually smaller than we think it is. Uh, Part of my presentation was that, you know, the things that are happening in China, they absolutely affect the decisions that you're making on the farm every day. Even the price of feed in the United States is tied to U.S. energy policy, which is tied to the geopolitics of the Middle East, North Africa region, and all kind of comes back to it. So these parts of the world may feel very far away, and I even argued that we're moving towards an era of deglobalization. But right now, something happens on one side of the world, it absolutely affects the other side of the world. And for an industry like the dairy industry in the United States, where you know something like one-sixth of the milk that's produced here gets exported, you better believe that when we're picking a trade war with our biggest trade partner, you're going to feel effects. And if you ignore it, you'll kind of miss the boat. Deglobalization and the economics in the world. So what are the similarities that ended in 2019? Yes, and deglobalization is another one of these mouth mouthfuls of a word. And again, I don't have a better word for it. Um, but one, one of the points I also wanted to make about deglobalization is that it's not really a simple concept. It's not just all that we go back to our own corners and don't trade with each other at all. It's really about we're seeing the rise and fall of great powers around the world, and we're seeing these spheres of influence around those political powers. So one of the points I made in the presentation was that even as trade has begun to decline in importance in a place like China, which did really well in an era of globalization, it's actually increasing in countries like Brazil and Mexico because you've got U.S. companies that are relocating away from China and looking at the dartboard of the world and saying, where can I put investment? Where can I build factories? Where is it going to make sense for me? So you've got trade actually increasing there. So deglobalization, the other side of that is you've got more economic integration within those blocks to make it even more confusing, you're actually going to have more globalization within different regions, even as at the global top-down level, we do start to deglobalize. And I'm glad you brought up 2019, because the the last thing I would say there is that I think the thing that most analysts, um, industry executives, farmers are guilty of is we think that we're going to go back to the pre-COVID world, that this was all just, oh, was the pandemic and all this crazy stuff happened and eventually we're going to get back to normal. It's not going back to normal. It's it's a new era. In some ways, the pandemic shut the door on the last era and this new era is not going to be like the last one. It's not going to be globalization and unipolarity and U.S. power everywhere. It's going to look very different. 
What are some of those challenges? Well, it really depends what your industry is. I for, for dairy farmers, I think the challenge is that the U.S. government has been telling you for a long time now, hey, export abroad. We've got excellent trade relations with everybody in the world, especially China. And we're going to put pressure on China to buy more and more of your products and things like that. And at the same time, apparently, we're going to put harsh restrictions on their technology companies. And we're also going to hit them on these very sensitive political issues like Taiwan or like Xinjiang and like Hong Kong. And my point there is that there's a disjuncture between what the U.S. government and trade representatives and things like that are telling us and then what foreign policy actually looks like in practice. So in some ways, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, and farmers are caught at the very middle of that. So I think that's one big challenge. Um, Another thing as a challenge or an opportunity, but the world's energy matrix really is changing. Until the last couple of years, a barrel of oil was a barrel of oil everywhere in the world. West Texas Intermediate and Brent Crude, but basically oil's priced the same because everybody uses it the same. We're moving away from that. In the United States, we have the shale revolution and plenty of natural gas and oil. Europe's doubling down on hydrogen. China and India are building new nuclear reactors. I didn't even talk about solar and hydro and nuclear fusion and all these other crazy things that are happening in energy markets. We're really undergoing this shift in energy markets and the countries that are able to secure stable access to cheaper sources of energy relative to other countries, those are the countries that are going to do well over the course of the next five to ten years. If you look back at the last century, the countries with the cheapest access and most reliable access to energy, those are the ones that did the best. And it's now a contest for that and which technology kind of wins out. What country is one that has all the energy they need? If I had the answer to that question, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be on a little island in the Pacific with little drinks and little umbrellas in them. I can tell you that at the investment firm, uh, we don't think there's a clear winner yet. So we want exposure to a lot of different countries and a lot of different technologies. The ones that I'm most optimistic about, um, I think nuclear fusion is fascinating. I think when you look at some of the you know materials and that go around creating fusion reactors, that's a really interesting opportunity. And for whichever country cracks that code, could be great. You have countries like, say, Chile, who have more solar and wind capacity than they could ever know what to do with. They could even transform that into hydrogen if they wanted to or or nuclear if they wanted to or all different other sorts of ways. Then you have countries like China that are really going to have to innovate or Europe. They're really going to have to innovate. They don't have the natural supplies of hydrocarbons to fall back on. They're importing still large amounts of coal, not just oil and natural gas, but China, something like 60, 70% of their power matrix. This is true of India as well. still comes from coal. And nobody wants to mine coal anymore because it's been demonized by ESG and everything else. So where are they going to get it? Coal prices are actually at record highs when you look at them. Um, So there's all these interesting possibilities around there. I don't know who's going to win out, but I do think that there's very interesting opportunities in different countries and what they prioritize. So for instance, I think hydrogen is a super interesting investment theme. And I'm looking for companies and countries that are that seem to have a leg up there. Solar, I think, is already you know, China's already driven down the cost of solar panels. So in some way that story's already been written. But nuclear fusion and sort of the next generation of nuclear power in general, that's another one that I find very interesting. Like I said, it's it's open season. Your listeners should tell me what I'm missing because I can use all the help I can get. Deglobalization. There's always the money part that comes in. Mm-hmm. So the currency. How is the US dollar compared to some of the other countries that are the biggies, I guess? Yeah. So you know, I've painted this world of deglobalization and multipolarity and competition and things like that. The dollar is a great example of how the United States still has a lot of power and a lot of residual power and inertia is a very, very powerful geopolitical force of its own. Um, the pound sterling was the global reserve currency before the U.S. dollar. The pound, the pound sterling survived World War One and World. It took World War Two, World War One and World War Two to knock the pound sterling off and to have the dollar ascend as a global reserve currency. So to see the dollar truly decline in the world, I think you'd have to have a conflict of that sort of magnitude. Right now, in a world that's more uncertain, 
everybody actually wants dollars. I don't want to be paid in yuan. I'm sure dairy farmers don't want to be paid in yuan or Japanese yen or anything else. They want to be paid in dollars. Even Chinese people want to be paid in dollars because it has the full faith and credit of the United States government behind it. Um, I also have a great chart that I always show people think that you know China's currency is taking over and they're going to you know, from petrodollar to petro yuan because of their tight relations with Saudi Arabia. The Chinese yuan is something like 2% of global currency reserves. It's roughly the same as the Canadians. So unless we're worried about Canada taking over the world, maybe let's chill out about the Chinese currencies coming for us. The more important point is we have lost some market share over the last 20 years. We've lost that market share not to the yuan or the yen or the pound, but to the euro. And Europe is ostensibly and in some ways is an ally for the United States, especially some of those NATO countries. But there are parts of, for instance, sub-Saharan Africa where the euro is now the primary currency of trade settlement and has supplanted the dollar. And that's because the Europeans see, huh, China's maybe not going to be the only market. Maybe we need to have a foothold in some of these markets that are closer to us so that we can have an advantage in selling our products. That's a long way of saying, I think that I think this run-up that we've seen in the dollar in the last 12 months, I think it's only just starting. I think that we're going to see a much, a much higher value for the dollar going forward, and that has negative consequences for U.S. exports. Conflicts and that having an effect on the currency. Let's look at five years ahead. What are we seeing for conflicts? I'm actually fairly optimistic. It may not sound like that from what we've said so far, but I think that we're in the good times right now. I think the next five to ten years, I don't see any power that's going to be able to challenge the order. They're all preparing to do it, but I don't see that any challenge is actually going to fundamentally challenge the global order. The Russia-Ukraine war is a great example. It has stayed a Russia-Ukraine war. NATO's not involved. Turkey's not involved. You know, we're sending weapons and things like that, but it's still a war between two countries. Um, I don't expect any sort of mass conflagrations to go. I think you could see competition between places like, you know, we always need to watch India and Pakistan. Uh, we need to watch the South China Sea and for the various territorial disagreements that are there. There are parts of Europe, like if you go to parts of Hungary and Poland and with the way the borders are being redrawn in Europe, you'll definitely see some noise there in general. But I don't see any big global conflicts coming in the next five years. And you brought up China and China working on building up their military and doing their nuclear testing, and but they're surrounded by allies. What do you think that effect will have on them? China is in a tremendously weak strategic position. Uh, South Korea, Japan, and the Philippines are all U.S. allies, and Taiwan, even though we won't say it out loud, um, is also something that is a big U.S. interest. The only ally China has in the region is North Korea. Uh, and that's not much of an ally. They're completely unpredictable to their allies as well as to their enemies. Now, some of that reflects China's differing approach to foreign policy. In some ways, they're respectful of George Washington's warning not to enter into permanent alliances and relationships with other countries abroad. They don't want those relationships. The Chinese perspective is let's become a center of economic gravity and people will have to deal with us sort of anyway. But here in the short term, think about the fact that China's top foreign policy priority since the 1950s has been the reconquest of Taiwan. And they haven't been able to do it. They're not going to be able to do it anytime soon because they really are weak. They've got way more problems at home they have to deal with before they start doing foreign adventuring and, and aggression. And again, that's Jacob Sapiro. And what an interesting guy he was. And uh, Don of PDPW, and he is. And uh, we'll be staying in contact with him because uh, he brings you things that you don't hear on the evening news. I don't care what you listen to as far as your newscasts, whether you're on the major networks or some of the other ones, but uh, people like that that uh, just look at the the picture as it is and not the uh, political ramifications, but what's really going on really make a difference, no question about it. So what an interesting guy. Well, we're going to continue on. Brent is here. Brent Wink will be on the air with us in a little while. But before we have Brent on, we got to have Morgan on. 
Morgan McCarthy in the newsroom. Morning, Morgan. What's going on on this good Friday morning? Well, good morning. We begin with headlines that keep us close to our area after a four-year-old in Eau Claire County is in critical condition after falling into a septic tank. It happened yesterday afternoon in the township of Pleasant Valley. Eau Claire County deputies did rush to the home and pulled the child out of the tank and rushing them to a hospital with investigators saying it looks to be an accident and the septic tank lid was faulty. From the courts, the man who pointed a laser pointer at planes in western Wisconsin is heading to prison. A gavel drop with a federal judge in Minneapolis yesterday sentenced Nicholas Link, who lives in Rochester, Minnesota, to two years behind bars. Police tracked him to River Falls after pilots on a Delta flight into Minneapolis complained of being blinded by a blue laser. The pilot says any minor mistake during their descent could have caused catastrophic results. Well, we look to the political stage where jail guards in Wisconsin can now buy into a better pension. With 715 Newsroom coverage, John DeMaster talks about pen to paper with Governor Evers yesterday. What do we know, John? Governor Tony Evers yesterday signed a new law that includes jail guards in Wisconsin's protective occupation participants. Police officers, firefighters, and prison guards in the state are already included in that group. Being a protective participant means that jail guards can now retire earlier and can get disability from on-the-job injuries. Sheriffs across the state, as well as Governor Evers, say the new pension perk will help local jails find and keep guards. I'm John DeMaster. Continuing on the political stage, question marks remain, but we'll soon know what U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin's plans are for 2024. I will be having an announcement coming up. (laughs) I'm not going to make it right here, right now. The Wisconsin Democrats said to WISN 12 News this week that the state Supreme Court win by liberal judge Janet Protosiewicz shows Democrats have a lot of momentum. Several Republicans have been mentioned as a potential challenger to Baldwin in 2024. There's a warning about a data breach in Chippewa County that exposed people to hackers. You can find more information about this online and a direct release from Chippewa County when you go online to 715newsroom.com. And move over East Coast hot dogs. Bring on the Midwest burritos. Joey Chestnut, a name you might recognize from the 4th of July hot dog eating contest that usually takes place on the East Coast. Well, he was in our area. He came to Milwaukee and ate 14 and a half burritos in just 10 minutes. Probably taking the belt off this morning. He was in town for a first-ever World Burrito Eating Championship, and he, of course, won. But just as a point of Wisconsin here, he did lose that 2018 Wisconsin State Fair Cheese Curd Eating Championship. I know plenty of people that might be in the running for the win there. Of course, you can't make those cheese curds until you have the milk for it, and that all happens back in the barn with Bob Bolsold, Jill Welke, and your Midwest Farm Report on Wax. 104.5. Thank you, Morgan. Yeah, cheese curds for Easter. Nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. So, uh, again... Happy Easter, Morgan. Hey, we've got uh, stuff to get to, like the weather. That means we head over to Skywarn 13, and Mike Dandry is with us. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. How's the voice doing? Well, I'm struggling a little bit, but uh, we're doing our best. Maybe uh, we're to the end of stocking cap weather season for you? I was just saying that. I was like, you know, today might be the last day, at least for the foreseeable future, that I'll be pulling that out. Now, the heavy jacket, I'm hoping that this is the last day for that, too. But there might be some days that, or some mornings that I might need it if it is a little windy still. Now, but, last week, remember last week, Friday into Saturday, we were talking a blizzard. Mm-hmm, yeah. Not this week. No, this week's looking a lot better. So that while there may be some flurries further towards the south this morning, we'll expect those temperatures to climb fairly quickly as we'll have a mostly sunny sky, maybe a few passing clouds here and there. And our temperatures climb to the low 50s, so we've got a lot of climbing to do. Later on tonight, we may have a few chances at some showers, otherwise mostly cloudy, dipping to the mid-30s, warming up a little bit more tomorrow, starting off in the clouds, but then becoming sunny later on into the afternoon. Temperatures climbing to the upper 50s and low 60s. 
Looking at Sunday, partly sunny, maybe a chance at some sprinkles into the afternoon, into the mid-60s and upper 60s, more sunshine on Monday. And next week is just looking absolutely gorgeous. I don't know why, but I think Alex Edwards is getting a bit of an early birthday present because we'll have more sunshine on Tuesday, low to mid-70s, possibly some upper 70s and a mostly sunny sky on Wednesday. And a very similar story on Thursday. We have a very warm pattern heading our way. It's just we got to be a little patient for it because right now we do have some clouds, but otherwise a mostly clear sky and a temperature of 20 degrees in Eau Claire. Ooh, that's kind of cool, but... Uh... If I can get this voice fixed, I'm going <laughs> to get the convertible out. Hot lemon water is what I've heard. Well, with a little addition of it, maybe a little drop of an adult beverage or two in there. <laughs> well, you know, I was saying, too, that uh, whiskey was actually originally used as a uh, cough medicine. So, you know, maybe once you're off work, that, that little whiskey might uh, help you out. What do you mean, once I'm off work? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Whatever gets you through the there, day, Bob. There you go. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, hang in there. You never know what it'll sound like by 6 o'clock here if we have a little of that the whole medicine done. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, have a good Easter, Mike. You too, Bob. We'll talk to you next week. There he goes. That's Mike Dandry over there at Skywarn 13. He's with us, and he's getting ready to get on a plane. Brent Wink. And we're going to get started on our programs for the season, the planting, growing, and harvesting season. We're not quite there yet. But Brent is, uh, you know, as they always say, the early bird gets the worm. So we're going to hear from Brent Wink in just a moment here on WAC. Keeping it rural. WAC's 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, we're about 23 minutes before 6 o'clock on a Friday morning at WAX. It's good Friday morning, and it is a good Friday morning because the season is underway. Brent Wink with us on our Winfield United program Planting, growing, and harvesting, covering the crops. Not many, not many crops to cover yet, Brent. Hey, welcome back. Hey, it is great to be back. Good to see you and Jill this morning. Uh, I, I hear that you've got your kind of your lost voice for the spring. Yeah, about Hopefully every that... two years in March and April, uh, this happens. So that didn't happen in Hawaii, did it? Not a bit. It's not just a a bit. the voice sounded Maybe perfect I'll go back. there. Maybe I'll go back. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, wait. I mean, you got to be in the shed now, don't you? Working on the planter because uh, you know it's, it's mud otherwise. Yes, and it's it's certainly uh, just kind of one of those delays like we saw last spring. But boy, that forecast for next week sounds incredible. But uh, you know, a lot of again, just excited to be back. We got uh, we're on a little bit earlier this morning because I got to get uh, to an airport here soon uh, to fly out. But um, you know, last fall when we checked out. We had uh, a lot of the data that had came in, and then then you kind of through the winter you get a lot of the different stuff. So you had a lot of the harvest data and varieties and things like that. It, but then a lot of the different trials that kind of takes part of the winter to process that. So got a, a really a great time this winter. To I had great pleasure to speak with a lot of agronomists and a lot of growers at different uh, meetings and things throughout the winter, and kind of just reviewing a lot of those things and getting that data in the hands of the agronomists. And I won't get into a lot of things. We'll we'll talk about more of them. But last year, one of the things I did want to touch on was we we did spend a lot of time uh, looking at some of these biologicals and microbes on our corn crop, and that market has just became cluttered with a whole bunch of different companies. And um, so we had uh, what we focused on last year was I think five major companies that had uh, biologicals for basically the claim to 
to replace nitrogen or to to kind of subsidize the nitrogen a little bit. And uh, the, the results were kind of all over the board. Uh, you know, some with as maybe a, a 50% of the time having uh, a positive response and some other ones that were down to 20% of the time. And, that, you know, when you start looking at those types of things, it really, I guess, my advice is just pumping the brakes a little bit. Uh, if it is something you're looking at trying, maybe doing it on smaller scale, but we're going to continue to study those and look at those. And again, the agronomist at Alcivia Co-op or Synergy Co-op or River Country Co-op, whichever co-op in your area, we've shared a lot of that data and you're able to kind of uh, get that from your agronomist and try and make a little bit of a better educated guess. Because, you know, a lot of those areas, it's it's kind of an unregulated area that anybody can kind of jump into. And I just, you know, that was one of the talking points that we had uh, went over this winter is is just kind of trying to pump the brakes a little bit on that. We've done a really good job of managing our nitrogen, um, and I just don't want to see people invest dollars into something and pull back some nitrogen and have a, a big negative impact on it. Uh, Brent, before you go any biologicals, we're hearing, as you yep. mentioned, we're hearing a lot of that. What exactly are these biologicals, and how do they fit into our cropping programs? Because, again, as you said, they're getting to be a lot of conversation about biologicals. Yep, and it's it's uh, last night when I was sitting here thinking about it. It's I probably should have went and did a definition, but you know, you you look at biologicals and microbes are, are using uh, in this case microbes within the some of these products to either put them in the furrow. Or uh, onto the corn plants and these microbes, some of the claim is the microbes are able to take atmospheric nitrogen and utilize that and give it to the host plant. And so these these living microorganisms and, and microbes are able to provide that atmospheric nitrogen to the corn plant. So the concepts and theories certainly make sense. You know, there's a lot of atmospheric nitrogen. It's just the the provability and the consistency. Can you see consistent data with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it it can be a, a lot of you know. And in, in some other products, they're looking at seaweed extracts, or you're looking at maybe uh, nutrients and things that are occurring in other plants or species. That if we add that to our our uh, liquid starter, and we can we can uh, perform this within our corn plants. So there's just a whole lot of uh, uh, a lot of things that, like I said, you can uh, you could brew up something in your bathtub, throw it in a jug, and and say that it's going to increase corn production. And and that area or that market is not a regulated area. So there are certainly some good companies. There are certainly some good products. Um, but I, I just really wanted uh, this winter spent a lot of time uh, just kind of focusing on some of those, and that we just do our research. So. It's uh, you know a, a couple of bad products or bad companies can give um, no, give a bad no, name yeah. to that that whole piece. So, yeah, like I say, it's, it's kind of uh, exciting, not exciting, but uh, you know another another it, route to go. I it, guess we it, say. it certainly is, and like I say, I, I'm I'm confident that things will get figured out, and and uh, some of these will be around to stay for the long haul. But uh, just just really uh, something to kind of. Pump the brakes a little bit. Work with your agronomists. You know they've got a lot of the data with, with mainly the nitrogen studies that we did last year. So, got your uh, that, corn planter all set up. 
You know, we're still, it's probably good that it is a little bit late, but we're getting darn close. So, boy, by next Wednesday or Thursday, I'm sure I'm really going to be yelling at my mechanic and and, uh, hoping that uh, it's ready to go. It's going to feel much different, but we still have snow on our side. Boy, over in St. Croix County, we got 15 inches last Saturday, so it's still quite snow-packed over there. I would imagine the sweet corn guys are getting anxious. Yeah, absolutely. So this uh, next week or this weekend or next week, whenever you get that convertible out, you can head out from the Eau Claire area, beautiful, sunny, green grass, come over to Glenwood City and still find <laughs> snowdrifts. Well, I think they're going to be going fast as we get into this kind of weather. So, well, it's uh, it's good to have you back. I know, as you said, you've got to head to the airport, so yep. we're going to let you go, and we'll talk to you next Friday morning. You bet. Good to see you, too, and look forward to the season. All right. Brent Wink, week one of a good long season with Brent, the planting, growing, and harvesting season, covering the crops with Winfield United. And it's almost a quarter to six here at Wax. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, good to have Brent back. and uh, He looks good. He wintered well, don't you think? I think he did winter well. All right, so he's a good keeper. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, we always talk about uh, good kids doing good things. The 2023 Wisconsin 4-H Quiz Bowl and Skillathon results are in. And uh, taking a look at some of that, the Senior Quiz Bowl winner, represents Wisconsin at the National 4-H Quiz Bowl Contest at the North American International Livestock Exposition in Louisville in November. The winning team in the senior division, those 14 years of of age and older, Marathon County. Members include Allison Leonard, Alexa Leonard, Madison Heisey, Mason Heisey, and Kyla Heisey. Winner of the mixed division, now that must contain at least one youth from each age division, was Jackson County. Team members there, Morgan Lindau, Amara Streff, Morgan Berg, Brenna Thorson, and Julia Brown. What about some other results? Well, the top ten overall senior skillathon individuals were from our area. Luke Fisher from Jackson County, Jake Kling from Jackson County, Allison Leonard from Marathon County, and Lindsay Small, Schmall from Marathon County, and Candace line from Portage. And there is also another contest with a top 10 junior skillathon individuals. And the skillathon has uh, probably a test that goes with it and uh, product identification and probably some meat identification even. So from our area, Audrey. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alyssa Lindau from Jackson, Bryce Laufenberg from Jackson County, Julia Berg from Jackson County, and Justin Kling from Jackson County. And in the mixed division, Jackson County was the first place, as Bob mentioned, with Morgan Amara, Morgan Berg, and Brianna Thorson, and Julia Brown. And the top 10 overall mixed skillathon individuals were Morgan Lindau from Jackson, Morgan Berg from Jackson, Brenna Thorson from Jackson. Amara Streff from Jackson and Aubrey Gott from Polk and Anna McKinley from Polk. So it's so good con- to see those kids coming, going down to Madison and taking part in these contests. You bet. So congratulations from Marathon County, Jackson County, Polk County. Wonderful uh, representatives of our area and, uh, you know, the livestock in our area. They know their stuff. So that's uh, that's good stuff. And uh, let's go to some markets here, Jill. Where do you want to go? Let's head on over to Altoona Equity and hear from Jim Lindsay. 
Choice beef steers and heifers, $1.30 to $1.66. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers, $1.30 to $1.60. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers, $1.40 to $1.52. Choice Holstein steers, $1.30 to $1.39. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers, $1.29 and down. Top 20% of the cull cows sold from $95 to $1.07. We had a top of $1.13. 60% of the cows sold from $68 to $94. The bottom 20% of the cows sold from $67 and down. Organic market from Tuesday, 80% of the organic cows sold from $1.40 to $1.07. Bottom 20% of the organic cows sold from $1.39 and down. Cull bulls sold from $95 to $1.10. Thin, full, horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95-pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from $150 to $250 per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from $150 per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from $200 to $355 per head. Our next special feeder sale is Friday, April 14th. All feeder sales are live on Kettle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Kettle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call. Call at 715-835-3104 to check out our early consignments. Go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Agriculture. It's the Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And it's time for more markets. As we get over to the Equity Stratford sale barn, Jerry Fitzgerald is with us. Good morning, Jerry. Happy Easter. Well, good morning to you, Bob and Jill. Yeah, happy Easter to both of you also. And uh, I kind of like the weather forecast. We'll have some more Easter-like weather instead of, well, like the Christmas-like weather we've been having. Well, that's for sure. Yeah, Easter Sunday, well into the 60s. That will be nice. Well, wrap up the week for us over there in Stratford. I'll certainly do that, Bob. Thank you, and a very good morning to everyone. A summary from yesterday, Thursday, and this past week here at Equity Stratford. Markets are looking good this week and uh, continue that way. On the conventional cow market on the close yesterday, high yielding fleshy Holstein and beef cows are selling from $92.06. Uh, we did top this week on the cow market at 111 Most of the cows this week sold between 70 and 90 Thinner cows like carcass cows below 68 On the organic market on Tuesday, and, of course, we do sell organic cows every Tuesday. They were selling mostly from 120 to 135 on the higher-yielding organic cows. Back to the conventional-type cattle now on the uh, fed cattle trade the past week here at Stratford, choice-grading Holstein steers. Um, they're selling mostly from $1.32 to $1.42. High-yielding choice Holsteins from 142 to 145 Select underfinished cattle, 130 and below. Bull trade, most of the bulls this week sold between 93 and $1.10. Lighter bulls below 90. Calf market very, very strong. Good quality Holstein bull calves on the close, selling from 125 to 275. And again, earlier in the week, Monday's auction, a lot of bull calves from 275 to 345. A little better demand on the heifer calves this week, uh, mostly from 50 to 140. Beef calves also very strong from 200 to 450. Fancy beef calves on Monday's auction from 450 all the way up to 520. And uh, just taking a look, next week's schedule at Equity Stratford, full marketing week on tap next week. Of course, our next uh, hay auction will be next Tuesday. Next feeder cattle auction will be next Wednesday at 1230. And just one reminder, uh, uh, there will be no Sunday drop-off this week at Equity Stratford. We do have them. The yards are open usually every Sunday between 3 and 8 for folks to drop their cattle off for Monday. However, in observance of Easter this week, uh, that will not be, uh, we will be closed on Sunday. So again, just want to take this opportunity to wish everyone out there a very safe and enjoyable Easter. And uh, Bob, you and Jill also, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Oh, about a 50 degree difference maybe next week when we talk. Isn't that something? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Have a good one, Jer. You guys also. Thank you much. There he goes, Jerry Fitzgerald over at the Equity Stratford Sale Barn. 
the first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And today, of course, is Good Friday, and all the markets will be closed today. But uh, we know what happened yesterday. Jill, tell us. Well, those markets were trending downward because of the good planting weather, weather looking ahead. At our Chicago Board of Trade, corn for July is at 619, down 78 cents. July oats are at 336, up 3 cents. July soybeans are at 1462, down 15 cents. And our July soybean meals, $449.70 a hundred. That is up $2.90, with our July wheat at 688, down 6 to 7 cents. Rolling on over to our country elevator prices, Northside Elevator and Loyal location corns at six thirteen with soybeans at fourteen forty. Arcadia location corns at six twelve with beans at fourteen fifty eight. And at Wheat and Grain, Chippewa Falls and Connorsville location corns at five ninety four with soybeans at fourteen thirty five. Golden Plump in Arcadia, corns at six oh eight. Baldwin five ninety nine and fourteen thirty four. Durand five ninety six for corn and fourteen twenty nine for. Soybeans, Mondovi, 601 and 1434. Elmwood, 601 for corn and 1439 for their beans. Fall Creek, 591 for corn and 1409 for their beans. Osseo, 606 and 1439. Elk Mound, $6 for corn and 1435 for their beans. Sparta, 597 and 1438. Ellsworth, 586 and 1408 at our ethanol plants. Boyceville, 619. Stanley, 615. And New Richmond, 610 for the corn. And rolling on over to our cheese markets. Barrels are sitting at 172, down three cents. 40 pound blocks, 183, up one and three quarters. Gray double A butter, 231 and three quarters. No change from yesterday. And our class three milk prices, April, 1869, up two cents. May, down 11 cents at 17.95 June 18.18 down 11 cents July down another 12 cents at 18.67 and August 19.11 down 10 cents and that dairy market is trending downward through December very good thank you very much once again looking at our weather forecast I think you're gonna like it just like you're gonna like Chilson Automotive Group because they've got a great selection of new Jeeps at ChilsonMotors.com. 50 today, again, a chance of maybe some light precipitation. There'll be rain, obviously, at 50 degrees. Chance of showers overnight tonight, down to about 22. Tomorrow, partly sunny and breezy. Winds are going to pick up a little bit again. And then 65 on Sunday, Monday, 68. Tuesday and Wednesday, well into the 70s. Have a good Easter. And, uh, again, enjoy the nice weather. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Montovi. And the Chilson family of brand dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.